0: We saw that they would both have crowns, that they would both have horns. Point after point, we saw that the whole world would wonder after the Antichrist, and the world had gone after Christ. So point after point, we saw that Jesus looked, or the Antichrist was trying to mimic, Jesus. And one of the things
1: that happened, of course, was the Antichrist was crucified, or was dead, and then resurrected. That's right. Trying to impersonate even the Gospel. Exactly. Now, what, what's the next message that we looked at?
0: Whew, the second message we looked at was called... You said t- characteristics? It was called characteristics.
1: Basically, what we looked at is the five times the King James Version uses the word antichrist or antichrists. We looked at every time that it's used. We looked at some other verses that it refers to. And what we tried to do is we tried to get some characteristics of who this guy is. From the first message, we learned that he is Christian, mm-hmm. or at least he tries to be. Looks like it. He looks like Christ. He's, a, he's not just a political power. He's not a social power. He's not a... Uh, Atheistic power, he tries to look like Jesus. That's right. And we also saw that the son of perdition is one of the names that this Antichrist power is given. The son of perdition was also applied to who? Uh, Judas. Judas. Judas was the guy that Christ said was the son of perdition. And so we looked at both of these characteristics, or more than that, all of these characteristics of the Antichrist...
0: And that's building up to tomorrow night. Because what's going to happen tomorrow night? Tomorrow night we are going to discover exactly from the scriptures. We're going to put the points that we find in Daniel chapter 7 and Revelation chapter 13. And as we search these points, you are going to tell us... Who the Antichrist is. Daniel's not going to yell it out. I'm not going to yell it out because if we yell it out, you're going to say, well, that's those guys' opinions. That's their own private interpretation. But we will put the points on the board and you will tell us who the Antichrist is so that you will know that the Bible is very clear and that you saw that the prophecy is so crystal clear that you knew who it was. That's going to happen tomorrow.
1: That's right. Tonight, the message is entitled Order Antichrist Order. We're going to go through the Antichrist in 12 meetings. There are going to be some more meetings continuing on, but yes. we're going to be focusing specifically about the Antichrist for 12 meetings. And this night, we're talking about Antichrist order. Now, uh, what we saw last night is that we were showing a little video clip. What was the video clip about?
0: Ooh, last night, we asked people uh, what they thought about the Antichrist. Did they think it was a system or, or you know, was it a person? People had different opinions. But tonight, we're going to see some more questions that we asked people downtown Chicago. Which one comes first? Jesus Christ or the Antichrist take a listen comes first the Turn coming up, of Jesus the second coming or the antichrist um the antichrist will come and then Jesus you'll see well you'll see Jesus in heaven is what you'll do um probably the coming of Jesus do you know uh no what comes first the antichrist or the second coming of jesus what it comes first the um the antichrist no idea the antichrist right i don't know the second coming of jesus
1: so you see that people don't totally understand from the bible which comes first you saw people that said well jesus or others that said it, it's got to be the antichrist But tonight we're going to find out what order, chronologically, the Bible
0: says the Antichrist comes. Chad, would you lead us in prayer? Yes, let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day that you've given us. I thank you for the time to open your word, and I pray that as we do, that your Holy Spirit would fill this place with your presence. I pray that your angels would be in our midst, and I pray, Lord, that... As we look into the order, the chronology, the timing of the Antichrist, that you would make our minds clear, that we would be perceptive to to catch these points so that we will know the truth of your word. So, Lord, bless us now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you'd like a Bible
1: to follow along, we're going to be turning in our Bibles to Daniel chapter 7. If you'd like a Bible, go ahead and raise your hand. And uh, Ed and Brother Kim will be able to get us a Bible. Anybody need one? Okay, looks like everybody's got one. Turn in your Bible to Daniel chapter 7. And what we're going to be doing is, Brother uh, Chad, we're going to be looking at chapter 7, verses 8 through 10 and verse 14. Would you read that for
0: us? Yes. Verses 8 through 10. We read here on the screen. Now, before we even read that, what I'd like to do is just give you a little bit of the background, the, uh, the context of what is going on here. What's happening here in Daniel chapter 7, we see the rise of the Antichrist power, also known as the little horn power of Daniel chapter 7. Now, this little horn comes up out of the fourth beast. The first beast that comes up is a lion. The Bible says that it has eagle's wings. Very clearly, the Bible clarifies that this is the, the Babylonian power. Now, after After Babylon was in power, another kingdom would rise up. The Bible likens it unto a bear that's raised up on one side with three ribs in its mouth. This is the kingdom of Medo-Persia. You can see the chronology starting in Medo-Persia in Daniel chapter 8. Then Medo-Persia was taken over by the next beast that rose up, which was a leopard with four wings and four heads. And the kingdom that took over the Medo-Persian empire was what, Daniel? Greece. Greece took over. And the fourth beast, the Bible says, was dreadful and terrible and exceeding, strong and it had ten horns and it had iron teeth and this is what historically what took over the grecian empire according to luke chapter three in the bible it was rome it was rome So then, out of Rome, Rome divided into ten portions, or what the Bible calls ten horns. And then another horn rises up, another kingdom rises up, which is this Antichrist power. Now speaking of this little horn, we read here in verse 8, There was a little horn, and I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did sit. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The judgment was set, and the books were opened. There was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. Now, you can notice here, underlined, there are three separate uh, and distinct entities. Daniel, what are these? Or at least things that would take place. I see the little horn, the judgment, and the kingdom. I
1: underline those for a specific reason. Now, here's the reason. is because, chronologically, that's how the Bible describes that the Antichrist will come. The little horn the judgment, and the kingdom. Now, Chad, how could I be so bold as to say such a thing?
0: You know, you could just be pulling these things out, but the reality is Daniel's not just pulling these things out and saying, well, let's say there's a little horn, then there's going to be a judgment, the antichrist, then the judgment, then the kingdom. We're going to see that three times in Daniel chapter 7. Three times in this single chapter, we see the chronology of the little horn, the judgment, and then the kingdom, or the antichrist, and after antichrist comes, there's a judgment, and then after the judgment... We see Christ coming in His kingdom. So we're going to see this three times. There's another time in verse 21. The Bible says, of Daniel
1: chapter 7, verse 21, the second time it goes through this chronology, I beheld, and the same horn made war with the saints and prevailed against them, until the Ancient of Days came, and judgment was given unto the saints of the Most High, and the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. You'll notice I have underlined here as well, horn, judgment, judgment kingdom. Just as we saw in verses 8 through 10 and verse 14 earlier in this chapter. Now, when God says something once, is it important? Yeah, for sure. When he says something twice, he's trying to get your attention. But when he says something three times, specifically in succession, just like this,
0: what does that mean? It means we better pay attention to what he's talking about. I think we should know. Let's go ahead and read the next one. Pick it up, brother. All right. We read here in... In verses 24 through 27 it says another horn or the Antichrist shall arise but the judgment shall sit and the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. So once again we see the same chronology you have the horn another horn comes up then the judgment takes place and then the Christ comes back in his kingdom so the chronology here is very clear.
1: Now, it says in verse 10 that, or verse, I think it's verse uh, 13, that the Son of Man comes to the Ancient of Days, and there he receives the kingdom, so the kingdom is given over to Jesus. Well, later it says the kingdom is given to the saints of the Most High, and then here it says the kingdom is given to the people of the saints of the Most High. You know, we're going to receive this kingdom as well. Amen. In fact, the Bible in Revelation chapter 1 says that we're going to be kings and priests in heaven. How many here would say, I want to be in that kingdom? Is that true? Do you want to be in that kingdom? I certainly do. I've got my whole, my whole place set up. In my mind, it's going to be a place up on a mountain. There's going to be a beautiful stream running down outside. There's going to be fruit trees and everything. You've got to think about your place in heaven because it's just as real as the pew you're sitting on right now. You'll have to invite me over sometime. Hey, You'll be there. <laughs> Okay, the next thing we're going to talk about is in Revelation. It's Revelation chapter 22. You can turn there if you'd like to, but this whole verse is on the screen. He, Revelation 22, 11 through 12, you know, I I say that because somebody uh, was listening to these messages online already, called up my wife and said, hey, you've got to put the, you've got to tell Daniel and Chad to refer to the verses as well, because online it's kind of hard to see, you see. At this point, we're going to have these up there uh, later at ChicagoOutpost.com as video, but right now they're on the audio. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. This word still in the Greek, uh, remember we talked about the concordance last night, it can also be rendered henceforth, from this point forward. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. He that is filthy, let him be filthy still, from this point forward. He that is righteous, let him continue on being righteous. He that is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I come... It doesn't say, have come or came. It's saying, I come, future tense, quickly. And my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be.
0: Again, a future tense. Chad, what does this mean to us? Well, what's taking place here is that he that is unjust, he's going to be unjust still. There is going to be a time period in the end of time where those who have chosen to follow Christ, they will be sealed in Christ. Those who have chosen not to follow Christ, they will receive what we call the... Mark of the, do you know? The mark of of the beast. So at that time, he that is unjust is going to be unjust still. There will be no turning back. If you have received the mark of the beast, there is no going forward into the kingdom of Christ. And at the same time, if you have held firm to the truth that is in Jesus Christ, at that time period, you have been sealed With the Holy Spirit of promise, we'll be looking more into the seal and exactly what the sealing of God is. And if you receive that seal, you will be righteous still to the coming of Christ. You could say that it is the time of the, your probation is over at that time period. So what what I'm reading
1: here in Revelation chapter 22 is that there's consistency here with what we looked at in Daniel chapter 7. Mm -hmm. There's the little horn, there's the judgment... And then the kingdom. He says here that he judges. He that is just, he that is unjust, he that is righteous, he that is filthy, let him continue on being. And behold, I am coming quickly. So there's the judgment and then the kingdom. you exactly. see. So in Revelation or in Daniel, all through the Bible, it's consistent. Little horn, judgment, kingdom. In fact, why don't you say it with me since it says it three times in Daniel chapter 7. Little, Little horn, horn, judgment, judgment kingdom. kingdom. Say it one more time. Little horn, judgment, kingdom. You now know the order, the biblical order, of what or when the Antichrist is coming. The little horn, the judgment, the kingdom. You've you see? It. Here's our next scripture. It's in Acts chapter 17. Some people might say, Chad, like, well, this judgment thing, I, I, don't, I don't know too much about it. I mean, how am I going to be judged? What, what is it that, that God is going to bring up and... and
0: I don't like to be judged. What's the deal? Yeah, I don't think anybody normally likes to be <laughs> judged, but we do have hope here in Acts chapter 17, and we read, the times of this ignorance God winked at. He overlooks, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. Acts chapter 17, beginning in verse 30. Now, we'll stop there just for a moment. At the times of this ignorance, God winks at. Now, if you're ignorant of something, that means that you don't know about it. So if you don't know about something, the Bible says that God overlooks that. So you say, well, okay, well, I didn't know these things. Or, or maybe something else, there may be certain commands in the Bible. You say, well, I don't, even, I don't know anything about these teachings. Well, the Bible says that God overlooks, He winks at those things. But when we do know the truth, it says that He commands all men everywhere to repent. But it carries on and says, because He hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world, future tense, the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. So God has appointed a day in the which he would judge the world. Now we've already seen that the Antichrist was in the days of John, and he was appointing a day sometime in the future when judgment would begin. So it's consistent. Even in the
1: book of Acts, Mm -hmm. little horn, judgment, You've got it. Because here it says there is a day appointed. So, okay, okay. if Antichrist or Antichrists were in the time of John the Revelator, as you just said, and judgment was at a future time, which one comes
0: first? The Antichrist or the judgment? Which one? The The Antichrist Antichrist has to come. Now, this is the biblical teaching, very clear, right? It says it clearly. Little horn, judgment,
1: and kingdom. So, Chad, why are there so many people that are reading and believing books that are saying that Jesus Christ will come
0: to take his people away before the Antichrist shows up. You know, the only reason I can think of, at least that seems plausible to me, we talked about the context, studying the context of each scripture that you study out. Now, we're, we're reading a lot of text here, but you need to go home, you need to study these things for yourself. What's happened is, in these books, people say, well, I think this means this, and I think this means that, but they're not taking these passages within, within the context, or they must not be, because we saw in Daniel chapter 7 very clearly that this chronology of the little horn the judgment and the kingdom time and time again three times in a row in one chapter and for some reason do do you have any other ideas why why would it be that someone might be holding on or people may be writing books that the chronology is not correct
1: well they're writing books because they're taking scripture out of context as you were saying but people are believing them because they're not reading the bible for themselves yeah you know yesterday we were challenging you We challenged you, and I think most of us raised our hands that we would study the Bible for ourselves consistently for the next 30 days. And I really hope that you do that, because you'll start seeing in the scripture, wow, I never knew that before. Whoa, these things are true. You know, you've got the notes on ChicagoOutpost.com. You can download them for yourselves, and you can read these things over. But beyond that, get into the word for yourself. Don't just study the things I've put together. Study what God leads you to look at. And I really believe that that's the way we're going to be able to get away from believing things that aren't true. Absolutely. You know, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians, or 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now we beseech you, my brothers, with regard to the coming of our Lord. So this is what he's talking about. The coming of our Lord. So that's the context. Yes. And our gathering together to him that you should not be soon shaken in mind or troubled neither by spirit nor by word or letter as through us. As if the day of Christ is at hand. Let not anyone deceive you by any means. He goes on, remember the context is in regard to the coming of our Lord. For that day, the coming of Jesus, shall not come unless there first comes a falling away. This word falling away can be interpreted a divorce, an apostasy, a separation from the Christian church outward, leaving the Christian church. There's going to be an apostasy first of falling away. And then the man of sin shall be revealed, the son of perdition. Remember, Judas was referred to as the son of perdition. We looked at this yesterday, and we're realizing now, as we look at this same verse, there's another part that sticks out. First, there's going to be the falling away, the apostasy, and then the day will come. The son of perdition opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, setting himself forth that he is God in Second Thessalonians two verses one through four. Chad, what's the deal? This guy is sitting in the temple of God. He's not only a religious power; he is. Well, we'll talk about that next time. We're going to focus on the fact that he's also a political power.
0: Chad, what's happening here? He's, he's in the temple of God. He's in the temple of God. Now, if you have your Bibles with you, turn with me to First Corinthians chapter three for a moment. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, very interesting, the Antichrist is in the temple of God. Now you could look at this in a couple different ways, but in the New Testament, you notice here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and I'm looking now and reading here in verse 16, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16, know ye not, or don't you know, that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. So somehow God's people, he says, listen, you're the, you're the temple of God. Daniel, what's going on here?
1: The temple of God is the place where the Spirit of God dwells. And it's no longer, according to First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, over there in Jerusalem, the holy place as many people call it, or the holy city. According to the scripture here, after Jerusalem was destroyed in 70 A.D., We are now the temple of the Holy Spirit, you see. So the Spirit dwells in me. That's why it's so important to take care of the physical body, right? Mm -hmm. If we don't take care of the physical body, it's like going into the temple of God, spray painting the walls, throwing dust around, slamming the doors, breaking the windows. God wouldn't like that in His temple, would He? He doesn't want you to do that. That's why it's so important to get rid of the things that are destroying our bodies. So very important. But more than that, it's a place the Holy Spirit wants to be. That's why it's so important to pray, you see. In Luke chapter 11, it says pretty clearly, if you, being a carnal, sinful being, know how to give good gifts to your children. I love doing that. I've got two children, Nehemiah and Eden. Okay, Nehemiah's five and Eden is two. I love giving gifts to them. I just made some balloons for them. You know how you tie them up and make little puppies and and hats and little fish and all those stuff with those long balloons? I did that and they love it. It makes me happy. I love giving things to my kids because they enjoy it. Well, Jesus says, if you, being carnal, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will I, or your father, he refers to, give good gifts to those that ask? And the gift that he's talking about specifically in Luke 11 is the Holy Spirit. He says, ask, seek, and knock, and it will be given unto you.
0: How do you ask, seek, and knock, Chad? What's, what? Break that down for us. Well, sim- simply, you can go to God and you can ask Him personally through prayer. As simple as that, going to God and saying, God, you've promised the Holy Spirit. I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost, as the old King James says. And God is willing, as Daniel just said, more willing to give you the Holy Spirit than a good parent is to their children. Now, I was thinking as you were sharing these things that the the... The Holy Spirit wants to dwell in us. Totally. We are to be the temple of God... ...in the same way there is a spirit of... ...Antichrist. Very simply. So you can either be filled with the spirit of Christ the spirit of God or you can be filled with the spirit of Antichrist and we'll be finding out some more of the characteristics of Christ and we can begin to tell I believe that at one point in my life I was was falling further and further away from Christ and I was beginning to have less and less of a love for the things of God and the things of his word I shared a little bit about that last night how I I didn't even want to read his word and I think that's one of the areas because the, the Antichrist as we will see hates the law of God but we'll be looking more at that so let's carry on
1: so so far we've been looking at the order little horn judgment and kingdom. Here in the New Testament it says there's going to be first an apostasy and then the day of the Lord comes. The apostasy referred to in this section is talking about the son of perdition, the antichrist, the man of sin. Now, what we're going to look at here, it's in Revelation
0: chapter 14. Would you pick it up for us? Yes, Revelation chapter 14 and verse 6 says, And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment has come, or is come. So, the judgment, the hour of his judgment is come. There's gonna be a time where we are
1: able to say, according to Revelation chapter 14, verse 7, that the day of judgment is present tense here. It's begun. Because remember, I mean we're gonna be alive, and people have been alive during the time of the Antichrist. And there's a time of judgment where people will be alive. And then it even says in First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 15 and forward that there's going to be a time where people are alive when Jesus comes. So we're going to be experiencing as humans this entire chronology, Little Horn, Judgment, and Kingdom. Well, you know, here's the deal. If we're in the time of judgment today, which we are, Mm -hmm. I mean, there are prophecies that are absolutely clear that show that we today living right now are in the time of judgment. We can read that and say, the time of judgment has come, present tense, right now. We can say that today, and I can say that very boldly. So the question I have, Chad, is... What's the big deal? The Antichrist is in the past. It's something that's, that's uh, according to John, said it's during his day. And then judgment is
0: to come. And now we're in the time of judgment. We're past the Antichrist. Why do we need to know about the Antichrist? Well, you could say if, if, if the... Antichrist is in the past, the Antichrist has been here, but remember the Bible says the Antichrist would receive a deadly wound and then he would rise again. He would even mimic the death, burial, and resurrection of our Savior Jesus Christ. That's in Revelation chapter 13 verse 3. Revelation chapter 13. And so what happens is if the Antichrist receives a deadly wound, comes back to power, and then the Bible says all the world shall wonder after the beast, so that time is not far off, I believe, where all the world is going to wonder after this power. So it is extremely important for us to know these. These things and at the same time as we're talking about judgment there's confusion as to what we're going to be judged by people don't know and if you have your bibles in second corinthians we were in first corinthians and second corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10 we have this picture of the judgment some people say christians are not judged at all well what did paul say paul i'm quite sure was a Christian, probably one of the most powerful christians of all ages and we read in second corinthians chapter five and paul says in verse 10 for we so Paul is saying, Myself, we, amongst the Christians, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that every one may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. So we are all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, the Bible says. Whether we have done good or whether we have done evil, the Bible is very clear. So give, give us some more thoughts. Do you have any more thoughts on the judgment and how are we going to be judged?
1: Except for the grace of God, the judgment would send me straight to hell. You're right about that. There is no question. If God looks at my works, I'm going straight to hell. What about you? I mean, who, who here has kept the commandments perfectly without sin? Nobody. Nobody. Absolutely right. And except for the Holy Spirit living in me, walking in me, living out the life in me, that Christ would live if he were still here on the earth, I would be condemned. Hmm. But the Bible says in Galatians chapter 2, if you wanted to turn there, it's just a couple books there to the toward Revelation. To the right, I was going to say. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. Paul, he's writing, he says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet, it's not me, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I'm now living in the flesh, I'm living by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. If this is not our experience, Chad, in the, in the judgment, we will be condemned. The Bible says we're saved by grace through faith, but we're also judged by our works.
0: Yeah, I have a verse on that right here in Revelation chapter 20 in verse... It says in verse 12... Last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 20, verse 12, it says, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. Do you want your name written in the book of life? Yes. Amen. It says, which, was, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their, what? Works. Works. Now that's heavy. The Bible actually says that Daniel, that Chad, and everybody in this room is going to be judged according to their works. So if I've done evil things, what's my hope? Do I have any hope? You're going straight to hell without Christ. That's right.
1: That's the absolute reality, and so will you. But here's another thing I want to point out. It says in 1 John 4, verse 17. If you wanted to turn there, that's fine. We don't have it on the screen. It says, this is the place where our love is made perfect. Or it says, here in is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Amen. Wow, who wants boldness in the day of judgment? I do. I do. Absolutely. And it says, because... Well, let me read it again. Here it is, our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, so are we in this world. Does that mean we need a changed life, a changed heart, a changed mind? We need to be born again. If we're not like Christ, we don't have boldness in the day of judgment. No. But if we are, by faith, through His grace, we can have boldness.
0: Amen. And I'll, I'll tell you this. If you, when you hear the word judgment, you think about it and you have a fear come over you, the reality is this. It's a natural thing to have fear in the judgment. If I were to go to a judge today, if I were to go downtown Chicago or even in the area north or Aurora here, I would always be nervous going before a judge. I would tell you that. Honestly, I would. But the reality is this. We have a Savior. Yes. And if we know for a fact that we have given our lives to him. Now, if I were going before a judge, let's say I had, I had stolen all kinds of things. I had stolen TVs and, and electrical equipment, all these things, and I had them hidden in my basement. And I was going to go for, before the judge, and I would stolen all these things, and I was going to court for this. Now, if I was hiding them still in my basement, you think it would be a good idea to hope, you know what, I hope this guy's going to let me off this time. He knows that I'm a real sincere guy, and he's going to let me off. You think that's going to work? No. No, I don't think so. In the same way, if, if in the judgment we're holding on to sins, we say, well, listen, you know, I know what God says, but I'm going to choose to follow my own ways, and I'm going to hold on to these things. Could it be that in the time of judgment we would be terrified? And in reality, when He comes back, we would not be saved. The reality is yes, and this is a very solemn thing. But we have a Savior who is also our high priest. And as Daniel just said, if we know that we have given our lives to Christ, if we have accepted Him as our personal Savior, if we have confessed our sins, now you may find new sins as days go by. But if you find a new sin and you say, Wow, God, I didn't even know that I had this sin in my heart. Is God going to say, Well, you didn't know and you're lost. What did we see? The Bible says in the times of ignorance, God winks at. But is there someone here tonight who says, I want to be ready? I want to be ready for the judgment. I want Christ to cover me, to stand in my place, that His death on the cross of Calvary will take my place, so that I may be saved for eternity. Is there someone here tonight who wants to say that with me? Amen. Amen. I want to be saved and I want to be ready. Let us bow our heads for a word of prayer. Dear Lord, I thank You that You reveal to us the chronology. You show us that the Antichrist will come. After the Antichrist, there is a judgment. And after the judgment takes place, you will receive your people into your kingdom. Lord, I want to be in your kingdom. And I believe each and every person is here tonight because they want to be in your kingdom. Lord, I pray that you will cover us with the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. Yes. No good thing we can do can get us through the, through the pearly gates. But only the blood that covers us from Jesus Christ who died on Calvary to take my place, Lord. But at the same time, Lord, if we are holding on to sins, I pray tonight that we would let go of them. Amen. That we may have confidence and boldness in the day of judgment, Lord. And you reveal things in the time that you see fit, for we know that we can't even handle all of our realizing all of our sin at the same time. So we thank you for the blessed hope of the second coming, Lord, and I pray that each and every one of us will have that hope. In the name of Jesus, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse